Coming up on Plane Crazy Down Under, I step out of the voiceover booth for a bit of a chat about flying, skydiving and the fun I had doing aerial traffic and surf reports back in the day. Some great aviation memories coming up as we get Plane Crazy. Well, good day, everyone, and welcome back to Plane Crazy Down Under. This is, of course, the show where we like to talk about aviation here in Australia and around New Zealand and around the Pacific and, well, well, really, anywhere, really. Isn't that right, Grant McHeron? Oh, that is totally right, Steve Fisher. We'll <laughs> talk about aviation anywhere in the world. But, you know, mate, our part of the world's pretty good. Yeah, well, right now it's winter and it's freezing down here. Well, yeah. we call it freezing. It's struggling to get to 10 degrees Celsius, but you know, yeah. that's just here. No, I don't care what anyone says, mate. That's freezing in my books. <laughs> Well, anyhow, when the weather is better, there's a lot of beaches on this island continent. And, you know, i got to say, I, I really enjoy flying over a beach and just looking at the waves, the natural environment, the beings and creatures and that natural environment. It's it's a great way to, to look down on the world, isn't it? It's pretty cool. And you can also look at traffic in its natural environment as well. Yeah, snarled and laughing at them because they're stuck on a road. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're in for a treat this time. We've recorded, as you would have heard from uh, from the intro coming into the show, that uh, we've recorded an interview with our voiceover guy, Terry Daniel. And uh, he's, he's had some great experiences with uh, aerial traffic reporting and, and lots of other things besides. Grant, uh, we really enjoyed recording this one so let's get to it oh you're right mate uh lots of laughs lots of amazing stories uh yeah crack on this is arnie pie looks like we got a little accident that's backing traffic up as far as this reporter can see terry daniel welcome to the show Thank you very much, fellas, for having us on board. Well, it's great to have you with us, mate. And, uh, of course, uh, many people will have heard your voice uh, on radio all around Australia. You've been uh, in the radio industry for a very, very long time. But uh, one of the very unique things that you've done and one of the reasons we really wanted to do this interview was uh, that you've had some experience doing uh, aerial traffic reporting. And, uh, boy, that must have been a lot of fun. Yeah, that was good fun. Uh, That was one of my uh, little bit of background, I suppose, to help you out Uh, 2CS uh, opened up in Coffs Harbour in 1985. Before that, Coffs Harbour, which is uh, on the east coast of Australia between Brisbane and Sydney, uh, didn't actually have a commercial radio station, believe it or not. Um, They got theirs from Port Macquarie out of a a company called 2MC or a station called 2MC. Uh, But eventually, after 10 years of fighting, 2CS finally got a licence. Now, what happened at the time was I moved in in October and believe it or not, the air traffic control area people moved into Coffs Harbour at the same time. They built a control tower at the airport. <laughs> and so it was just one of those fluky things where I got to meet the chair, chief air traffic controller uh, who invited me along to the aero club um, and invited me out to the tower for a, you know, a, a good view of what actually happened and what was involved there. And that really got me going. Um, and we started talking to the aero club and he suggested that the radio station should have uh, an air traffic division, basically, where we fly up and down the coast and report on uh, sharks and surf conditions and traffic and and you name it. So uh, Kev Gale and I were the two that put it together. Uh, that was way back in uh, early 1996 during the summer period. And we did it for many years after that. Uh, usually we started off in the long weekend in October and went right through to Anzac Day in April. So right across that spring wow. and summer period, uh, I flew the plane and learned to fly. I mean, before this, I didn't have my private pilot's licence at all. Uh, so I learned to fly. Uh, I had an instructor or a commercial pilot with me each time. We were in a Cessna 172, 
which was hired from the Aero Club. And it also meant too, because I had a, uh, a flight instructor or commercial pilot there, we were able to sell passenger seats in the back. The two seats in the back of the 172 were sold to listeners and oh. they, could, they could come for a ride as well and uh, enjoy the view. So uh, so you were, you were clearly young and thin back then for both of you because, you know, four people in a Cessna 172, you're not staying up long and not going very far. No, no. We, we flew for just over an hour each morning and an hour again every afternoon. So I did at least two and a half hours flying every day, no matter what the weather conditions were like. So even as a young pilot, you know, <laughs> a lot of the other – students there were so envious of me because basically, you know, the instructors had come out and they go, oh, my God, there's a storm out there in the southwest cloud. Oh, no, you can't fly today. And and they, they weren't <laughs> allowed to fly. <laughs> so, But we had a commitment, obviously, to, uh, to sponsors yeah. to make sure that the, uh, the flights happened every day. So we flew rain, hail and shine. And I'll tell you what, in some cases it was hail and, and, oh, uh, bet. and thunderstorms as well because uh, I remember many times, uh, going maybe south down towards Nambucca and coming back and we'd find a storm coming out of the Bellingen Valley, which would obviously, you know, block off the airport in front of us and we weren't allowed to continue north. So we'd, you know, circle around the till the storm blew out to sea and then we'd continue on. <laughs> uh, that came with some rather interesting flying conditions as well. Sometimes it was just beautiful, <laughs> beautiful, smooth flying day. And because other days you you follow a storm in behind, you tell you what, you bump around with it as well. So... Yeah. I suppose it's really unique, Terry, too, because, you know, Coffs Harbour, beautiful part of the world, but I wouldn't say it's a big city like Melbourne or Sydney. And you know, it's interesting that you say it was also a traffic, you know, combining uh, road traffic with uh, shark patrol and stuff like that. That must be uh, quite a unique feature in the world of uh, aerial traffic reporting. Well, it was, and it was for our station back then. The station was brand new. It had a, a huge following in Coffs Harbour. Uh, bearing in mind, too, in summertime, the population of Coffs Harbour used to triple. So mm-hmm. when I was there, it was, you know, was probably about 55,000, 60,000 people, and all of a sudden you'd have 200,000 people there in December wow, yeah, and January. Okay. Yep. So, I mean, just to go from one side of town to the other, which would m- normally be a 10-minute drive, was easy, 25, 30 minutes. Um, and you, you could tell people, too, about some of the shortcuts and some of the back ways. You know, if you, if you get off the highway and go down what's called the Link Road, uh, it was another way of sort of getting around the, some of the traffic snarls. But we were also very interested as to what was happening on the beaches. So people wanted to know, you know, do I go down to Park Beach today or is it absolutely chock-a-block full? Uh, where's the best waves? So, you know, if you've got a nice northeaster coming in like you used to do at summertime, especially in October, November in Coffs Harbour, the northeasters roll in of an afternoon, guaranteed takeoff on runway 03, straight into the wind, and uh, bingo, there's uh, everybody – uh, trying to, you know, get out of the strong northerly winds in the northern corners <laughs> and avoid the blue bottles. So you can actually see you know, huge you know, packs of blue bottles coming in onto the beach Wow! and report about those. And then where were the sharks? Where were the dolphins? Uh, lots of dolphins and stingrays around. And lots of things, lots of things to see as you went up and down the coast, yeah. Cle- clearly, wherever the blue bottles were, the sharks weren't. Uh, that's an interesting question. Yeah, I guess the yeah, I suppose they wanted to avoid it just as much as we do. <laughs> but it's amazing that a tiny little thing like the blue bottle, and you can see the pack, you know, the swarm of it from the sky. Oh, you could, yeah. And it was really because they were, they'd swarm, they'd end up in large patches on the beach where they get washed up there. One of the best things was, you know, if you're down on the beach itself, and you, um, I used to have these uh, throngs of people, mainly Victorians, who would want to come around and you know <laughs> see blue bottles, and I'd get down there and I'd pick one up. You know, and I'd, I'd hold it by the bubble and they were freaking out because they knew, you know, if any of those little stingers got on your skin, 
and they'd wrap around you and you'd, you'd know. It was like as if you were sliced open with a knife basically. So, oh. uh, But, yeah, you could wander around and do all that. And then, of course, um, the silly things that people would do is they'd, you know, jump on the bubble and flatten it, but then you're still left with all the stingers on the beach. <laughs> Unless you unless you cover it all over with sand, it's you know you're still going to walk in them and it's still going to hurt your feet. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, hey Terry. Of course, now you know the mid '90s was not the dark ages, but it certainly didn't have the sort of miniaturized technology that we have now. Tell us about the technology of the time. How did you you know get that live signal out of that aircraft and uh, back to base? Yeah, good good question, Steve. Yeah, so I was very lucky in that um, Kev, who was the chief air traffic controller. Uh, he organised, uh, we actually got a, a handheld uh, aircraft radio, which we took back into the studio, and our chief engineer connected it up into the panel of the studio, so we it actually had its own fader. Uh, so we could actually, quite often when I was on in breakfast, I would uh, I'd talk to commercial pilots coming up and down the coast, you know, we'd get an update on, you know, where's the uh, Oxley Airlines flight this morning on its way to Brizzy, and I can remember chatting with Kev... Uh, Kev Trotter, I think. No, is that his? Yeah, that's what I think. That's what his name was. Uh, anyway, he was the flight pilot on that, and he'd call up every morning to get his clearance into the tower, and I'd, I'd give him clearance and, and tell him what's the weather like out there, and <laughs> in he'd, in he'd come into Coffs Harbour. So we we chat regularly using the aircraft frequency in the aircraft itself. Uh, Coffs control tower was one one eight decimal two, but we had our own frequency, and I've been trying to think what that was. Uh, we might have run on something like one, two, three point seven, or something like that. Anyway, uh, so we just dial up in the in the aircraft radio and talk directly back to the studio. Oh, brilliant! So you'd have that you'd have that nice, authentic, you know, ultra compressed uh, <laughs> two hundred <Yeah>. hertz sound. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it really sounded like we were in the air, which we were absolutely. Uh, and so we do. Uh, I I could obviously monitor the station. They were on six thirty nine a.m. I could monitor that in the aircraft while I'm flying. I'd sit there and wait for my cue. So they'd go, you know, and you know, with the latest update on the coast, here's Terry Daniel in the air patrol, and bingo, <laughs> I'd I'd hit the button on my uh, on my control as I'm flying, and then away I go. Have a yak about what you can see out the window. You know, it's interesting because, you know, Terry, there's a, an organisation down here in Melbourne that does aerial traffic reports and there's some days where, you know, it's not exactly good flying weather for a Robinson helicopter and I just, you know, wonder if they just modulate that sound and <laughs> maybe oh, just looking at some monitors allegedly. <laughs> yeah, true. I mean, it's, yeah, I, I guess in a helicopter you can do that. All. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm down, oh, there's a big crash over here. We've got a water buffalo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah, it was a little bit different in this Esther 172. Yeah. Well, I think OH&S uh, standards might be a little bit different these days too. That might have a lot but to do can, with it. Could be. You can also get away with flying in a helicopter that you can't do in a fixed wing, trust me. Uh, so sometimes it's it's like you were saying, it, they're not really over the eastern, they're more over the southeastern waiting for the, the weather to go through on the eastern before they fly over that way. But yeah, but yeah that when you were t- talking about your know, hail and storms and all that, I was I was going to ask, were there times you were ever tempted to call it in from the ground? Um, no, no. I, to be honest with you, we did them all. Yeah, I mean, that's the spirit. Some, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> there were some days where we delayed the flight an hour. Like we used to go out about two o'clock in the afternoon, and sometimes that storm was already here upon us. And if you waited an hour, and you know, because we had passengers that had paid. Uh, there was also that responsibility to say, well, we've got to give them, you know, their money's worth, basically. 
<laughs> have have the bumpy ride. Yeah, come <laughs> for the bumpy ride. Well, we used to ask people too, did they want I mean, we had some people that just loved it. Oh, no, no, can we go out now in the storm? They go, yeah, right, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I'd show everybody where the sick bags were, but, I mean, we did have some incidences, of course, with that, especially with kids. I mean, uh, yeah, flying with kids is always fun, but, um, yeah, no, we, we quite often waited. Storm had gone through and then you you went out around the back of it or you you have a different approach. You, you'd say, okay, well, it's all down to the south today, so let's go up more to the north and we'd spend more time up around Woolgooga and Red Rock and, and do that and maybe a little bit less to the south, but still enough to to do the reports. We did two or three reports every hour on that trip, so uh, usually one to the north, one to the south, and maybe one as we're coming back in with a bit of a summary. So it was um, it was great. I, <laughs> the other thing they talked me into after I got involved with flying, of course, Next thing you know, they said, oh, well, you've got to do a tandem sky jump. And I go, wait, wait, hang on, wait a minute. (laughs) This is not in my contract. You want me to leap out of a plane that's got, you know, 50,000 rivets flying in formation perfectly and you want me to leap out of there? (laughs) (laughs) But sure enough, I did it with somebody. And, of course, I took the handheld radio and I did a report while I'm parachuting down back to the radio station as well with the guy please un- 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 under parachute under right parachute. not during free floor yeah, under yeah. Parachute. yeah yeah definitely under parachute <laughs> with the guy behind me you know with this guy strapped to my back going whatever you do do not drop that radio <laughs> <laughs> somebody down below it'll be like a missile hitting them oh yeah <laughs> so, yeah so i had to do that then i had to tuck the radio in my shirt and make sure it was completely secure and wrapped up before uh we came into land, but anyway, I've done oh, some, okay, done some yeah, new mate. things with aviation and radio, that's oh, for sure. That is. That awesome. would have to be the most unique traffic report ever, I reckon. Oh, that one was, yeah. Oh, that was more a case of, you know, like don't say swear words. <laughs> 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 Just try and describe it. Well, actually, it was quite amazing because the thing that, uh, I mean, obviously, have you guys sky jumped? Sadly, no. Hello. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> well, I, I have. I've been told if I get down to a hundred kilos, there's a tandem in there for me. <laughs> I don't know if that's incentive to keep the weight on or take oh, it off. Yeah, it's a bit of right. bit of both. Well, <laughs> well, I know. I'll, I'll be eating a steak tonight if that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first part of it, of course, is just incredible. You are hurtling down, you know, trying to get the mm. the tears out of your eyes, virtually to so you can see. And then there's that incredible feeling when it's like, you know, someone just give you the biggest wedgie ever and you <laughs> and you end up, uh, you know, oh, oh, this is all over. We've stopped falling. Um, and then, <laughs> then it reminded me very much of a hot air balloon, um, which I've done many hot air balloon flights around Coffs yep. as well. And then you just got that beautiful 360-degree moving lookout, you know, as you're going around and he's saying, oh, pull a bit on this side and you'll go this way, pull a bit this way and we'll go this way. Um, yeah, I did. In the end, I enjoyed it. It was really good, but I much prefer to be sitting in a plane. <laughs> Actually, you know, really, if you if you um, there's a new sideline for you, Grant, being a hot air balloon pilot yourself, you could just plonk a balloon just above the you know the Eastern Freeway here in Melbourne. That would actually be the perfect vantage point for traffic reports. Oh yeah, uh, we have gotten trouble when we've had the commercials fly low, especially in a special shape, fly low over the freeway, and uh, all the cars stop to look up. Oh yeah, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but yeah. The, the problem is that when, when the guys are normally flying at dawn, you know, there's not a lot of traffic if it's if it's during summer especially. If it's during winter because yep. we, we launch with the sun, you know, sunrise and all that, then it's a lot later and, yeah, okay, now, you, now you've got some traffic to report on. Yeah, well, <laughs> we did the hot air balloon flights but not so much for traffic. We just did them for uh, more for tourism uh, type things. I've had some very fascinating flights. The, the fellow that used to have the hot air balloon lived about one – block away from me down further in the Boambi Valley 
I remember one morning we took off out of his place, went up and over to the south, over the hill and over into the next valley, went around, came along the end of it, picked it back up again, came back and landed back exactly where we took off from. Ah, yeah, that's called a box flight. It's a box flight, is it? Okay. Yeah, well, it'll happen once or twice a year in in Melbourne. Yeah. But it's very common in um, Albuquerque where they do the balloon festival. Ah, uh, gotcha. Okay. Cool. Anyway, yeah, some more aviation fun with uh, with the radios and uh, and being on the radio. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Well, I tell you what, we've got lots more to talk about about uh, as it turns out, hot air ballooning, but also traffic reporting. We're going to take a short break here. You're listening to Plane Crazy Down Under with our very special guest Terry Daniel. We'll be right back after this. Look, let's be honest, Sarah, we've all got to eat. That we do, Kevin. Food is such a big part of life, isn't it? And talking about food can lead us to all sorts of places and all sorts of people. Yep. And every week on the Food Bites podcast, we catch up with someone who might be a TV celebrity, a high-profile sports star, a politician, could be anyone. And we talk to them about food, their kitchen skills, or, you know, sometimes lack of, uh, life and and love. And, Kevin, every week there's the Friday Food Poll. Oh, yes. Now, that is Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and me, Kevin Hillier. You can find us wherever you find your favourite podcast and, of course, every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock on the Ace Radio Network. This is Extended, the ETOPS Aviation Podcast. Here's Peter Johnson. We're in front of the Merlin. Can you tell us a little bit about the aircraft? What aircraft did you fly before? Uh, Suhoi 22. Right, okay. That's quite an interesting aircraft. Mm-hmm. What was that like to fly? Faster. Yeah. <laughs> Gareth Stringer. Make no bones about it. This is still a very capable aircraft. The cockpit's very cramped, you've got leg restraints on, you're sat on a seat that's got explosives in it. Tim Robinson. Uh, also the A400M, got to go inside and uh, have a poke around with. Just uh, taking me on the trip of our lifetime in a F-18F Super Hornet. Aviation-extended.co.uk And remember, there's no E at the beginning of Extended. Wouldn't it be nice to tune into a station that spins the tracks that you can sing along to? Like this. Money for nothing and free. Or how about this? Make it real or else forget about it. The Buzz, streaming classic hits from the 70s, 80s and 90s at thebuzz.com.au or download the app for iPhone or Android. Melbourne's home of classic hits, live from Studio B, The Buzz, B-U-Triple-Z. You're listening to Playing Crazy Down Under. Thanks very much for joining us. Of course, this is the show where we'd love to talk about aviation. Our very special guest this week is the owner of uh, Australian Independent Radio News and, of course, an aviation fanatic just like us, Terry Daniel. Terry, um, we've talked a lot about your involvement in aerial traffic reporting. Uh, I'm sure there are some really interesting stories you've had from some of those flights. Oh, yes. <laughs> I guess probably one of the ones that still makes me chuckle too is obviously I was mentioning the fact that we had two passenger seats in the back. So we didn't know what, you know, anybody could buy a ticket and come along for a ride. And one day I had these two uh, dear old ladies who joined us on board and I said, hey, you know, have you flown a small aircraft before? Oh, no, no, but we're really looking forward to this, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so in the back they go and we're on our way. We're flying north this time and we're heading up towards Woolgulga, north of Coffs Harbour. And we come to the back beach and all of a sudden in the back seat I hear these two absolutely giggling and, a laughter going on behind them, and, you know, and I turn around this way on the inside of the plane and I said, oh, what's going on, ladies? They said, 
Oh, have a look out there. <laughs> so I turn out the other way on the back beach and there's a guy naked on the back beach with a towel going, <laughs> giving them flashing the plane. Of, yeah, giving them all sorts of flashing signals. <laughs> wow. And they just they thought that was the best thing ever. They, you know, they, they said, Do you organize that? I go, yeah, sure, we do. We organize every trip we get somebody naked to wave to you. <laughs> yeah, right. So they were back every second week after that, were they? <laughs> <laughs> well, they wanted to know, could they see it again? I said, Well, ladies, we're going north. We're eventually going to come south, so you might still be there. <laughs> <laughs> we had something similar to that while flying a um, balloon out near Druin and uh, coming down low to get some direction and uh, realising, oh, no, too much livestock, too much power lines. Going back up, look back over shoulder and there's a guy standing in the doorway of his house not wearing anything. Oh, yeah. So I just <laughs> turn the other way, keep putting a bit of heat in and say, say to the two ladies, friends of mine I was flying, oh, naked guy in his house behind us. Wow, my God, the, ba- the basket rocked in as they spun around to look. <laughs> Yeah, well, those two ladies thought it was the best thing ever. They, they reckon oh, that was awesome. their best flight. They really enjoyed it. Yeah, because it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting, Terry. I mean, you would have to be at a an altitude that's high enough for you to see what you need to see, but also, I guess, you'd have sponsor messaging on that aircraft, wouldn't you? So you'd need to be, you know, at a height where people could see that from the ground as well. Oh, exactly. They knew the aircraft. Uh, it was well labelled uh, at that stage. St George, the bank, was our sponsor. So there was a big St. George dragon on the side of the aircraft. Nice. Uh, the 2CS logo was on there as well, uh, you know, nice and big. Plus we were basically always flying at around 500 feet was our standard up and down the coast. Occasionally, we, you know, air traffic would say you've got to go up to 1,000. and uh, But generally speaking, you know, we were around that 500. Uh, I can do remember one time we were coming back from uh, – from Nambucca Heads and just up near Yurunga. And we used to regularly find that the the guys from Willytown would do these low connaissance things along the coast where they would fly, you know, at radar level about, you know, 100 metres or 200 metres, sorry, 200 feet, I should say, ab- above the ocean. And, you know, any time a, a little island pop up, they just automatically just pop up and over <laughs> and whatever. So we're flying along at Yurunga. Uh, and, of course, they used to always find no comms. You'd never know yes. they were there. And all of a sudden, here we are at Yurunga, and this this F one eleven went underneath us, <laughs> probably two hundred feet. It scared the daylights out of me. This <laughs> thing roared underneath us and just continued off into the distance. And <laughs> and I said to the boys in the tower, um, uh, "Do we have a F one eleven anywhere? They went, oh, yeah, they're all no comms. They never say anything." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I said, "Yeah, I know. I felt them <laughs> go underneath me." <laughs> I reckon the only time I've ever been to Coffs Harbour Airport, you know, would have been back on a family holiday in the mid eighties, and I remember us pulling in there. And the reason that sticks in my mind is because on the ramp this particular day was an F one eleven and a crew walking around it. So, oh yeah, they used to. I mean, Yurunga was the target, so they would come down out of the hills. They'd come down out of Dorigo and um, Armadale, Dorigo. And Yurunga was the target. They'd bomb Yurunga basically, and then they'd turn left and continue up the coast, and maybe head up to Amberley in Brisbane as the as the final destination. Or Evans Head was another um, firing range area yes. that they use regularly. That um, was yes. a firing range, and also there was Control a zone. Uh, yep. yeah, and and a um, emergency divert runway. If you had to, you could get a Hornet in there. You probably wouldn't take off with it, but you get it in there. <laughs> you might get in there. Yeah, <laughs> you'd be coming out yeah. in the back of a semi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and. A- and, of course, as I mentioned earlier too, you know, we had the odd person that was sick and whatever. I can remember one flight one day I took off on runway one zero and I just turned left to go north up the coast and you know how you get that terrible smell in an aircraft where you go, oh, yeah. no. And uh, nothing, I mean, I'm pretty good in aircraft. I mean, 
put me on a boat and I'll be seasick straight away. But <laughs> I can bounce around in an aircraft pretty well. And not, not although once someone else starts getting sick, then that's like, yeah. you know, we, all, we all know that feeling. So anyway, we just a got, sympathy <laughs> chuck. Yeah. <laughs> We, this poor guy, it was a dad and his young boy, and he, uh, the kid had just gone everywhere all over the father. And oh, it was no. a case of like immediately I went, no, there's no, I'm not going any further. Uh, so I said to the tower, immediate clearance, runway 28, just I want to go straight back in. I took off on one zero, straight back in on 28, <laughs> and I'm coming back. So I did a quick loop around Park Beach, straight back down, landed on 28, pulled up in front of the aero club and just leapt out of the plane, me and the uh, the commercial pilot that was with me, and he he jumped out. His name was Andrew, and he said to me, my God, that's the fastest turnaround landing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> <laughs> you, you wanted to come back in a hurry, didn't you? And I went, you're not wrong. <laughs> I'd had enough of that. And the poor guy, I felt sorry for him because then he – he felt obliged that he had to clean the aircraft, which I'm glad he did because there's no way I was well, touching it. <laughs> that is the rule. You hurl, you clean. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We had that rule, and it seemed to work most often for anyone – Mind you, people were pretty good. They'd use the sick bags if they really were sick. But, I mean, this poor kid didn't even go anywhere near a sick bag. <laughs> no. <But> anyway, <laughs> they're one of those ones where you go, well, we thank God we didn't have too many of those every time. Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of my uh, L39 flight where, uh, you know, basically I remember Mark Pracy saying the pilot that day, basically you spewing it, you clean it type of thing. And we're yep. coming back in yeah. short finally. So, you know, he said uh, this was at Turretin all those years ago and uh, – I remember him saying to me, you know, we've got enough time to go back and do one more loop when my, you know, my head was saying, yeah, yeah, let's do it. And my body's like, fella, you're going to pay for that if you do that. So I said, <laughs> no, no, mate, <laughs> let's just put it down now. I think I've had enough, you know. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Well, so here's a, here's a cracker question. And it, this goes back to what you were saying at the start that all the other students were jealous as. So you learned to fly by doing these flights. You were getting, as mm. you said, two and a half hours a day, every day, rain, hail, sleet or shine. Was that just Monday to Friday or was that seven days a week? Seven days a week it was, yeah. Okay. Seven days so a week from October right through to April. Now, bearing in mind as well, I would then go and do uh, a, a private lessons obviously as well, you know, to continue my flying. I mean, I got to the point where I went solo, got my, you know, uh, private pilot's licence um, did all the you know the the theory and all the training that went along with that through the through the aero club at the time, but because I had all so many hours up, uh, um, virtually for free, I mean, it was all paid for. Uh, it was a brilliant way to learn. I really was very very lucky. Were you allowed to log the hours with the commercial? Was he an instructor? You logged them as instructional time. I did. Wow. Okay. Because I, I fast forward to now, you can't really have paying packs on an instructional flight. No, so, no. Well, I, things I, things were quieter back no, then. The good old days. Oh, sure. The good old days. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you're right. These days, you probably wouldn't get away with that uh, now. But uh, I mean, basically, when I had the instructor with me, I well, I'd log all the hours because I basically yeah. did all the flying. But, yeah. Uh, legally, obviously, needed those people there if you had paying people in the back. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, <laughs> but it's 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 because even if you weren't officially logging those hours, you, you're still getting so much experience. Exactly. That's the way I looked at it as well too. I yeah. thought, well, even if I can't log them, it doesn't matter. Just the sheer fact of flying an aircraft and doing those routines yeah. twice a day, you know, oh, all, yeah. all the takeoff clearances, all the landing stuff, all the stuff while you're flying, 
you know, not only doing the radio reports and, and looking out the window and keeping the passengers entertained and going through the briefings, <laughs> doing all that, and then fly the aircraft as well. Yeah, that's number one thing, fly the aircraft. <laughs> they talk about scenario-based training these days where you'll you'll go out for your $100 hamburger or 500 as it is these days, and that'll be part of the scenario you're doing. It's not just go up and go to the training area, come back, do a few circuits. You're actively planning a mission, flying the mission, doing mm. doing it all and it's a it's a great scenario well you were getting that every bloody day twice a day i was absolutely yeah i mean I, as i said i was very very lucky indeed yeah we only had um there's only one incident i had in the whole time i had a a takeoff one day on runway 21 and the wind changed halfway down okay totally totally came from the other direction <laughs> and we we lost we lost uh we lost altitude straight away and dropped back down, and I ended up back on the runway again, and off slightly to the right into the grass. That scared the poor guys in the in the control tower no end. Oh, it scared us a little as well too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stuff the tower. Bit of, <laughs> yeah. bit of pucker factor yeah. there. Yeah, yeah but we, I mean, I mean, the beautiful thing about a Cessna one seven two, you know, short takeoff landings, etc. We we had plenty of runway left over. Oh yeah, plenty of, <laughs> plenty of airfield left over. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. obviously. Um, obviously the people in the back were fine as well too. I was really worried about them, you know, did, did they survive the bouncy, you know, drop back as we drop back on the runway. But <laughs> And then the guys in the tower said, that was unbelievable. He said, I'm sitting here watching the gauge and he said it went completely from coming down 2-1, you know, yeah. you were taken off into a headwind and you had a tailwind as strong behind you in yep. a matter of seconds, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. Syncrate, wind shear, <laughs> et cetera. Wind shear, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I – Experienced a few microbursts at times too. We had a few of those um, come through, but I guess every pilot goes through. You know, be a, you need to be aware of that mm. sort of material. Yeah, yeah. Terry, we know times are tight and uh, people are sort of reining in their budgets, and maybe we're looking to see if that does affect um, you know GA uh, even more than it's already affected by a lot of other things. But with that in mind, mm. how's the aviation scene up in your part of the world these days? What's it looking like? Very good question, Steve. I must be honest. I've I've haven't been involved for quite a while now, so. Um, I was involved with the Aero Club many years ago, but I dropped out of that. Um, all of those guys I grew up with in the air traffic control industry have all retired now. Um, so I haven't had an invite back into the tower for years. Mind you, these days you can't do it anymore after 9-11 as, you know, all mm. that stuff changed. Mm, but, yeah, yeah. I mean, I used to regularly finish my breakfast shift on the radio and then uh, go and have morning tea in the tower and uh, you know, keep an eye on all the operations flying in and out of coughs till lunchtime and, Chat, chat with the boys every day. Um, yeah, I, I must be honest, Steve, I've lost touch with that. Uh, I mean, the airport itself has obviously changed a lot. GA has really changed around there. There's actually, we have more helicopter operations now in COFs than we used to have before. Uh, Precision helicopters are doing a great uh, business here and um, involved with, obviously, with bushfire fighting and rescues and then, you know, some tourist work as well. Um, the Aero Club itself, I must be honest, I'm not sure what's happening out there now. So okay. I've lost touch. It looks like a pretty, you know, reasonably large air- airport. You've got your main runway and the little runway, not, not even intersecting, but, you know, it's it, it looks like there's a lot of hangars and, and, and operations there. Yeah, well, we never had firefighting before. We've got firefighting now. We've obviously uh, – the zone has changed completely from when I used to fly because the whole – control zone was uh, virtually right down to the other side of Nambuck heads to the south and to Woolgulga in the north. Now the zone's a very narrow, uh, small zone yeah. and it goes down to Bundadge and Headland and I think virtually goes to Karora to the north, not very far. So uh, there's more above 
obviously above you these days than um, than around the actual aircraft, uh, the airport itself. Yeah, uh, Terry, you've been in radio for an extended. It's been your career, your whole life, really, hasn't it? Um, and and, mm-hmm. and, these, and these days, of course, you're running Air News. And uh, yes. a slight disclaimer here: I do a little bit of work for you there at Air News <laughs> here and there. Um, do a great job, Steve. Great job. Thank, thank you, mate. I appreciate it. And um, so, tell <laughs> us a bit about Air News and and, and what we do there. Okay. Um, well, for a little while, uh, I was obviously on commercial radio for many years. Uh, a number of stations started off in Alice Springs years and years ago, uh, and then I went to Orange in the Central West of New South Wales before coming to Coffs Harbour when it was brand new. And I've been here ever since doing lots of different things. Um, the air news side of it, the, a gentleman by the name of Artie Stevens in Melbourne back in about 2005, realised that community radio was starting to take off, not the commercial side, the community side of radio. And for a lot of those stations, they were run by volunteers and people who had a passion for radio, but, you know, they ran on the smell of a, an oil rag, basically, and they didn't have very much money and lots of volunteers. So for them to have a news service, which is rather important, but by the same token, they didn't have staff that were journalists or had the capability of doing that. So... Artie saw that there was a bit of a niche market there to help them out. So started up a, a service where people basically worked from home, which is the way we still work now. So when we came through COVID air news-wise, <laughs> I bought the business off Artie in 2019 because what happens after that? We get COVID <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, we managed to survive. We kept a lot of stations alive by giving them some free news because they just had no money. But what we did find is a lot of – uh, even smaller narrow casting stations suddenly realised that they could have news as well and it was needed. So we supply news now to hundreds and hundreds of little community stations all around Australia uh, every day, 24 by 7. We've got a staff of around 20 people. Some of those are on-air presenters. Some of them are reporters. Uh, we have two girls, for example, in the USA that um, that do our Saturday and Sunday morning shifts because uh, us people in Australia like to sleep in then. So <laughs> it's their Saturday uh, night or Friday night, Sunday night, so they don't mind getting up and doing it then. Well, they're already up anyway. Um, we've got a gentleman in Christchurch in New Zealand. We've got lots of other reporters all the way around Australia and all those stations that we uh, send news to 24 by 7 um, have a great service. It's one of those services basically where you need lots of volume, you need lots of people using it in order to pay for it, which then economies of scale say, okay, well, we can provide it to you at a a reasonable fee for a community station to pay uh, and get get all the benefits of, of a national type service. And, you know, um, speaking of that too, and, of course, it is called Air News and there is an aviation uh, link that we can put in there, Terry. I mean, after all, um, you're a pilot and I'm a pilot and our colleague Sarah yes. Wombie is also a pilot. Yes. And, of course, Kim Cartwright, her husband, is a uh, very, very uh, well-experienced pilot, a former RAF guy, now an airline pilot. So, you know, I'm thinking, uh, yep. So you know, I'm just thinking Air News traffic reports. I mean, you know, I'd, I'd volunteer for that. <laughs> I'd have another go. Yeah, yeah no let's problem. do it. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the agony. Flying a Cessna 172 again, says Steve. Oh, my favourite aircraft, says oh, Steve. Oh, how awful. <laughs> of course, uh, you know, if we with our colleague Sarah Warmby, that might be a little bit uh, difficult because she's one of the people you mentioned that's actually based in, I think, the Washington State. But anyhow. Sacramento. She's in California. Oh, she's in Sacramento. Yeah. yeah, well, there you go. Well, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't mind a trip back to the US anytime you like. <laughs> no. Uh, so I, 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 I have a US licence as well. You do, yeah, and her hubby Greg's a pilot as well. Oh, so I told look, him we've got it. We've got it. Recently, I said, you know, we've got to go over and we've got to do some. We'll have to do some traffic over Yosemite National Park or something. Oh, you know, you're talking <laughs> the Air News Air Wing. I can see it now. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> and then we uh, won't so mention the fact that you and I have another connection as far as trains should, and no, railways. No, don't, don't tell anybody about well. that. Don't tell anybody oh, about that. Oh, now we're doomed. That's no, it. Game nobody over. Nobody mentioned yeah. the T word, Terry. <laughs> uh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, no, because suddenly Steve will put on the sound effect of planes bad, trains good. Terry, <laughs> <There you> go. <laughs> it's been great fun having you on the show with us. I've wanted to do this interview for a very long time and I'm glad we finally got to do it. Tell us, where can we find uh, more about Air News uh, online? airnews-media.com.au. All the details are there, including a nice picture of Steve and I. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and uh, also yeah. some sa- some sample news if you want, if you know a community station that might be interested. We're certainly happy to sign some more up. You betcha, absolutely. Mate, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, so good to talk about some of those great memories from the past with aviation, and uh, I guess you'll never take the plane out of the buoy. And a big thanks there to Terry Daniel. Uh, hang on. Oh, that was good fun. No, no, no. Back in the booth, Terry. Back in the booth. Hey. Come on. Back in. Hey, fellas. No, no. Hello. Quiet there. No, no. You, you've had your time now. Off you go. Thanks, Terry. Bye now. bit dark in here. Could someone turn a light on? Where's my volume control? I'll just turn this stereo monitor down. Hey, okay, Grant. Okay. Okay, Grant. That's much better now. Oh, you're right, mate. <laughs> Poor old Terry, we shouldn't be doing that because um, I've actually learned a lot about uh, microphone technique and a radio presentation from Terry, so we probably shouldn't uh, leave him locked in the voiceover booth all night. Yeah, not too long, mate, yeah, not no. too long. Yeah, feed him a cup of tea, he'll be, he'll be fine, he'll be fine. <laughs> cup of tea and a cupcake, right? Yeah, wasn't that a great chat though? What, 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 some amazing experiences and I, I actually didn't know that Terry is um, one of the, uh, a rare group of strange people that's jumped out of a perfectly serviceable aircraft. I, I don't know about that. I do know a lot of people have done it and I'm looking forward to the day that I can do it. But uh, it just keeps getting further and further away every time I look at the scale. But, you know, what the heck? (laughs) (laughs) Then he talked about hot air balloons and I thought, okay, here we go. This is going to be a long, long interview unless I wrap (laughs) it up quickly. I thought I kept myself pretty well under control. You did very, very well. Someone else who's doing well, Grant, is uh, this guy. Here he comes down the street. Oh, my God. It's that guy again. It's the mailman. Twice. Yes. Look, Grant, look at this. A a sound effect of printed mail. Oh, mate. God, it's enough that you've got a postman on a bike, let alone uh, printed, physically printed mail. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I, I really, just like I said last time, he's going to have to get one of those fancy new um, mobility scooter style things that the posties go around in these days. They really do look cool. Oh, they look like they belong on some racetrack somewhere. Uh, anyway, we've Going got to very any- slowly. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Anyhow, uh, contact at Playing Crazy Down Under, folks, if you'd like to shoot us an email on somebody who's done exactly that is our good friend Mark Newton from a couple of episodes back. And uh, he just tells us that our, uh, our latest episode, which was the previous one to this, of course, reminded him of uh, some of his trips to England where, uh, speaking of uh, crazy things, he went out on a gyrocopter flight while he was in England this time, Grant, and uh, yeah, I've uh, done that. had a grass air strip near Oxford. Yeah, no, I've, I've flown in gyros a few times here in Australia. I love them. They're great fun. And he just mentions there too, Grant, that um, parked off to one side was a Boeing Stearman with a wing-walking harness, and uh, that's obviously a reference to the last episode where we had our uh, Swedish wing walking team on. So, um, yeah, it, it, it still is a, a very specialized, uh, profession. I would, <laughs> I would suggest, but, uh, uh, we had the Brightling wing walkers here a few years ago. I remember interviewing, mm-hmm. uh, those, uh, those people, that was a lot of fun too. So it, it really does take a, a certain type of, um, personality and a certain type of, um, <laughs> bravery, let's say, to go up and do that sort of stuff. 
Well, we know two people who have uh, said yes when offered the opportunity. Uh, Krisha Ballantyne, from, uh, our friend from the uh, from the flying magazines and so on. Uh, they strapped her to the top and went into the circuit around uh, Bankstown. And uh, she was scared beyond belief, but absolutely loved it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, the other person also from the Bankstown area was Joel Haskey. And they didn't just do a circuit. They took him out into the uh, training area and uh, did some aerobatics with him strapped to the top of the wing. Well, Joel Haskey, if anyone knows him up there at Bankstown, is no uh, no stranger to um, that sort of flying. So, you know, <laughs> taking all sorts of, I was going to say risks, but not really. He yeah. actually does uh, some great work there teaching people to, uh, you know, fly in uh, upset recovery and stuff like that. So uh, mm-hmm. Joel does a great job up there. But, uh, yeah, he, uh, he certainly loves his aerobatics, so he would have loved doing that, I imagine. He did. He said it was absolutely fantastic. Okay, so once again, folks, if you'd like to uh, drop us a line, and we'd, lo- we'd certainly love to hear from you, uh, contact at plainecrazydownunder.com and certainly uh, drop us a line if you've got some story suggestions for us. If, uh, you know, you've got a local personality in your part of Australia or, you know, anywhere in our region that you think's got a really cool story to tell, uh, certainly drop us a line and let us know because, uh, you know, we're always uh, searching for more stories and a lot of good news stories too, Grant. We, we really love to promote that sort of stuff in our sector and, uh, you know, really one of the whole points of this show is really to talk up the Australian aviation scene and uh, really present it in a positive light. Sure is, mate. And we've got a lot of great aviation stories that we've uh, got a couple already banked up, a few folks that we're talking to. But yeah, feel free to reach out and say hi. Uh, We've got a lot of episodes we want to produce this series. So come on down. Absolutely. Hey, Grant, just before we go to, I just wanted to give a bit of a shout out to a, a great page on social media. You can find this on Facebook and you can also find it on Instagram, which is, you know, I like Instagram, Grant, because it's just photos without all of the uh, the BS, at least most of the time anyway. <laughs> but uh, in an aviation context, now, most of you would know if you're long-time listeners to this show that I've got a bit of a history of flying in the US and particularly around, you know, sort of the Mid-South and... There is a great page called Red Home Aviation, and I had a great chat with uh, Rob, who operates that page this week, and Rob's an old uh, E3 AWACS uh, guy, Grant, uh, worked as a radar tech, as it turns out, and I just wanted to give his page a shout-out, because even though it's not Australia, um, it, you know, it, he, he mm. takes a lot of uh, photographs that come in and out of Tinker Air Force Base, which is just near Oklahoma City. Now, I know that area reasonably well. Um and he just takes the best photos. You've got a lot of E3s going in and out of there, a lot of B1s, and, of course, a lot of B52s. And they uh, looks like they go in and out of Tinker to do a lot of depot maintenance. So you you sometimes see some rare photos of these aircraft where they've been, you know, had all their paint stripped off and they're just sort of flying in sort of bare bones colours. It's it's really interesting. He's a great photographer. And uh, I had a great chat with him, Grant, the other day about uh, the uh, beginning of what I guess is a process of drawing down the old uh, E3 AWACS airframes and uh, how the uh, USAF will looking to get something else and then we talked a bit about the wedge tails that we use here and mm-hmm. the UK are getting and I think Turkey have got a few as well so yeah it was uh, it was just it was just a great chat so I just uh, you know if you're into if you're on social media a lot and you like aviation and you're into aviation photography let's face it who wouldn't be um, red home aviation well, we'll put a link to that in the show notes Grant it was a really a really great chat and it's a really great page cool no oh, thanks for that and uh, yeah look I'm looking at his photos right now, and yeah, they're pretty good. Yeah, it's always a shame when a platform reaches end of life, but I mean, let's face it, the E3s, like the KCs, um, you know, they're like the 707, and how many of those are flying these days in commercial use? They they, yeah. they go back to the Dash 80, which was the uh, prototype, and yeah, they're, they're getting a bit long in the tooth, mate, and they've had their time, they've been brilliant, but uh, i got to say, I think it's time to... 
upgrade. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's true, and um, you know, nothing ever stays the same forever, unless of course you're a B fifty two pilot, in which case I think they'll be flying those things for about a thousand years the way they're going. I know they're getting new engines soon, Grant. They're getting Rolls Royce engines in them. So yeah, uh, yeah, the, those things are going to go uh, seemingly going to go on forever. But uh, for most other parts of uh, fleets of uh, you know military forces all around the world, this is just part of the normal turnover and. You got to say the uh, the Americans they certainly do get uh, longevity out of uh, a lot of those um, you know these platforms that really go right back to the uh, early times in the Cold War. So, but anyhow, Grant Red Home Aviation. I'll, as I said, I'll pop a link in the show notes, and it was a great chat, and I highly recommend this page. Yep, I'm enjoying it. Lots of good photos here, even a P3 Orion. Yay! Well, that's everything we have for you on this edition of Playing Crazy Dead Under. We certainly hope you enjoyed it, folks. Thanks to Terry Daniel for joining us, uh, Grant. If you got the keys to the booth there, you better go and let him out while I sign off. No, what keys? I thought you had the keys. Oh, we're going to be in all sorts of trouble. Until next week, I'm Steve Fisher on behalf of Grant McCarran, and, well, hopefully we won't need a new voiceover guy in the next episode. We'll all <laughs> wish you safe flying, folks, and we'll talk to you again soon. Find show notes for this episode, along with our contact details and a full back catalogue of shows, at plaincrazydownunder.com. Drop us a line anytime with feedback, story suggestions, or advertising inquiries. We'd love to hear from you. Title music is You Name It by Brian Simpson. Plain Crazy Down Under is a Southern Skies media production. Southern Skies Media.